Welcome to episode 205 of the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Ryan, Trey, and Adam with you here again this evening as we get into draft season here on the Canadian Football Countdown. The CFL draft is a couple of weeks away, and we've got a couple of weeks of coverage coming for you here on the podcast. Starting off this week, we'll be previewing the East Division Take a look at uh, team needs, as you know, which direction teams are trending, recent picks they've done, try to project maybe what they're going to do there. And in our top five countdown at the end of the episode, we're also going to take a look back at our top five East Division draft picks from the past decade. So a little bit of a little bit of research gone into this one, a little tougher than some of our other top fives in that regard, but we do have that ready to go. We're also live on a variety of platforms, thanks to our presenting sponsor, Game Time TV, which you can learn more about at GameTimeTV.ca. Uh, we're taking your comments, taking your questions live throughout the night here as well. So put them in the chat if you're watching over on our YouTube, Facebook, or Twitch feeds. Uh, before we go any further and bring in the rest of the panel, as always, we do want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe Cree, Oja Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 Territory, traditional ter territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. Now let's welcome in the rest of the panel here for this evening. First off, in the middle of my screen here, I didn't think he was going to be on the show tonight. Uh, I heard he had a, a big assignment to get done. You got it done, Trey. You're here with us this evening. Welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight? Fantastic, boys. You might just have to call my name a couple times. I'm a little, uh, you know, the schoolyard grind here. But uh, I'm doing great. Uh, second podcast of the day. You said big pile, a uh, big pile of paperwork to do. Uh, I'm just ready to kick it with my boys, Adam. Long time no see, buddy. How are you doing? You're muted. Wow, that was the first time in every time for a long time for me. Uh, anyways, uh, besides seeing Frosty the Snowman over and over and over again. Uh, yeah, we're in the middle of a blizzard here in Saskatchewan and the east side. Uh, if this feed goes out, well, you know, could be a power outage. It's, uh, well, you know, we're in the middle of a snowstorm. So, yeah, interesting times. It's April. Like, come on, folks. Like, what are we, what are we doing here with the weather? Like, like, keep it, keep it over there, at least. We don't want it coming out this way, out, out east to, to over to Winnipeg um we have our own winnipeg whiteout going on right now we don't want the snow variety because of course hockey playoffs have kicked off now as well uh which is, is a fun time of year uh although i think adam doesn't want to talk about that right now um, we'll talk about that a little bit more later uh but we're here to talk about football and cfl draft is around the corner so we figured let's start taking a look at uh what we may see come draft day Full disclosure, if you're looking for detailed insight on the individual prospects in the draft, the names available and stuff like that, this is probably not the podcast you're looking for uh, I, or the, the content you're looking for. I would personally recommend checking out a lot of the great work that Three Down Nation has been doing. Uh, Canadian Football Perspective, another great podcast crew out there. They do a lot of great draft stuff there. Go check them out. Or even just the CFL.ca website has a lot of draft content uh, going on there as well. So if you're looking for detailed insight, 
those are probably your best bets. If you're looking for, you know, high level analysis. Uh, well, I think we can do a mediocre job of that here. So uh, we'll, we'll give it a shot at least uh, and go through uh, the East today and the West next time out. Uh, so let's start off with our East Division draft preview here. Uh, and programming note, uh, I think we mentioned it end of last podcast, but uh, we're going weekly now uh, right up into the season. So uh, every Wednesday night, 9.30 p.m. Winnipeg time, uh, just your other time zones accordingly, we will be here. Let's talk East Division, and I think it makes the most sense to start off with the team that is number one on the draft board which is the Ottawa Red Blacks, who uh, did finish last place in the CFL standings last season. They are number one on the draft board uh, with the first overall pick. They're also a team that has quite a few draft picks in this year's draft. They pick first overall. In round two, they have three picks. Uh, They have their own at 10. They have one at 12 that they picked up in a trade. And then they have that weird territorial pick thing that... I guess the bottom two teams get to do at the end of the second round, I think, is what that is. In round three, they've got two picks there as well because they made a trade with BC to pick an extra one up. So lots to do here for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, Adam, what's your take on on Ottawa here coming into the draft? What What are you looking at for them? All right. Well, maybe I'll remember to stop hitting two buttons at the same time. Uh my thought on the Ottawa Red Blacks is they did a lot of work this offseason on trying to develop their offensive line. Uh, they got a big piece out of a previous piece on the uh, Canadian draft and Drew Desjardins. Uh, that'll help them a lot going in forward. They got a few American pieces on the offense and the uh, receiving core. Shaq Evans was in; it has been added. A few others that are interesting, but... I really think that the, if they want to go and compete and be uh, competitive this year, they're really going to have to still pull in a few more Canadian uh, wide receivers, in my opinion. Uh, this has been a place that they've been a little bit weak on in the last little bit. Uh, they have had a few good pieces uh, uh, going forward, but I still think if I look at their team, their their wide receivers just aren't going to quite compete probably along the lines as uh, some of the other teams will. I know that they got uh, Nate Bahar, who's been there for a while now. He's a young guy, but again, how much can he offer you? They took in Lamar Durant this year, who was kind of a disappointment over in Hamilton. Uh, That being said, that's really your big pieces there. Uh, We'll see what they have in there. Maybe Dubois comes and steps up this year. But to me, when I look at it, yeah, no, it's, it's the receiving core with Ottawa that uh, they need to do something with. Uh, Trey, what are you looking at when you see Ottawa? Yeah, no, that's what I agree with your point. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that the kind of just, again, like like uh, like Ryan said, we're no experts on draft day and all these names. So seeing that the projected number one um, potential pick is a receiver that also has NFL interest, does Ottawa risk that? That that's not usually a risky play you might want to do. But then you know, kind of going down the list, I don't know. There's another receiver, ooh, born and raised in Brandon, Manitoba, sitting at five. Or his uh, mother was born and raised in Brandon, Manitoba, um, Canadian. There that looks to be going in this draft. So you know, like there's a couple receivers, but I don't know. I would in the first round. I know teams have been getting ballsier, but if I'm Ottawa, maybe. I'll reach down and take an old lineman that we know is coming here just to solidify things. 
Because I don't think Ottawa is in that position to waste the first overall pick on a guy who could be spending till September or maybe the indefinite future south of the border. But I do like what Adam says. They do need that receiving guy. But I think they should have went and got that in free agency or something else. This is the time that you kind of slowly develop guys. If you wanted that big pick and get that receiver who could be your guy but has NFL looks, I don't know if this is the year to do it if Ottawa wants to be competitive. Ryan? For me, the interesting thing with Ottawa is I go back to last year's draft where it seemed like they had so many holes on the team and in free agency, they basically bought a pretty decent looking offensive line. So we expected them to maybe look at things like receiver last year, but they went back to back with offensive linemen, I believe, in their first two picks of the draft last year. So I'm kind of looking away from the O-line here if I'm Ottawa. I've got those pieces from last year. Uh, and I was doing my research earlier today. Sounds like it's actually a pretty weak offensive line draft this year. Like normally in the past, I feel like we're seeing, you know, what, five, six of the first nine picks are offensive linemen going up, off the board. You know, you look at the mock, some of the mock drafts that are out there uh, and credit to, you know, Marshall Ferguson, John Hodge, uh, you know, have put some out there, uh, which is great content uh, that I recommend checking out. But uh, you know, you look, you don't see those offensive linemen necessarily near the top of the charts. So I don't think that's priority for Ottawa to me. You know, you guys mentioned maybe a, a wide receiver or if or not, I'm going to the defensive side of the ball there and taking a look, you know, maybe a linebacker, maybe defensive lineman. I know there's a couple high up on the mock draft boards there as well. And you mentioned kind of taking a, you know, taking a reach, you know, taking a shot at some of these guys that might go to the NFL. I think there should be a pick or two in this draft where Ottawa does that because they have so many, right? Like with so many draft picks, you might as well take a shot and hope it lands. Um, Given that, you know, a lot of times the CFL draft doesn't end up with, you know, the later picks making a significant difference, but I don't know if I'm doing that with the first overall one. I, I think I go. I think I go safer first overall, and then maybe you know once I get into those picks in the second round, one of those I'm using on a uh, on a reach potentially there. Uh, anything else we have on Ottawa here, guys? I mean, what have they done so far in free agency? You mentioned already, Adam, kind of some of the pieces they brought in there. Uh, do we see any other big? Holes. Like, I know we're talking about the Canadian depth, that wide receiver here. Do we see anything defensive side of the ball where you would lean one way or another there, Adam? One thing that's very interesting on the uh, Ottawa side of the uh, football is that they've actually brought in two Canadians uh, or re-signed two Canadians in running back. So I know that it's been a uh, kind of a thing around the area that you kind of go after running backs. Uh, that are Canadian because, you know, the old Andrew Harris theory or John Cornish theory, uh, you know, that takes up a nice spot. And then you can put another American either in O-line or in anywhere else. So I'm very interested to see if Ottawa actually does that. And who knows, maybe that means they're aiming for a real stud uh, running back. Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, if they are, one of the best that they, the guy that won the John Cornish award this year, Chase Brown is available. I mean, do you really go there? I doubt it because I'm sure Chase Brown is going to get some interest and including his brother, uh, they're twins. Uh, he plays on the defensive side of the ball, Sidney Brown. Both of them are going to get an opportunity, I think, in the NFL. I know that the, the Buccaneers, I think, were talking to them uh, this week, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't think you're going to see that. I'd be very interested to see if uh, on the running game, uh, if they actually do go Canadian. If they do, 
they might be looking for a Canadian running back. Otherwise, yeah, I on the defensive side of the ball, uh, they've got a few little things that are interesting. Uh, I just got to pull up my sheet here one more time. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, just to take a look in here. But for additions, I mean, they have added a few pieces, but it's been lots of Americans in that side of the football again. Uh, you added Javon Santos Knox, another linebacker, but Canadian. Gary Johnson Jr. out of uh, Saskatchewan from last year. I mean, you added him. Uh, Michael Wakefield on the D-line. You added a few pieces like that. But again, they're losing some depth also in the Canadian side of the uh, football. Uh, Kawhi, uh, Kawhi Boateng is gone this year. He's going to Hamilton. Uh, you also lost Antoine Pernault, who's been there, I think, pretty much since Ottawa started this yeah. year. He's gone after this year, and you're losing another two American pieces on the defensive side of the football. So, our Canadian – yeah, I said that right, I think. Anyways, uh, that's where my biggest concern would be is that they're still losing Canadians. But that being said, there's an opportunity in this draft to draft some guys that are on the skill level for Canadians, and those are kind of intangible. So, who knows? Maybe Ottawa might just actually pull the trigger and – Go after those ones. And I think you're right, Ryan, though. You know, when you have that territorial pick or you have the uh, second round picks, that's probably where you go with those uh, with those maybe stretches. I guess my question here, so first overall pick in the draft, and this one's for you, Trey. Are you, are you looking at, with those early round draft picks, are you taking the best player available, even if it's a position you have some depth at, or are you trying to find the best fit, I guess, for the position you need? In the CFL draft, no, I'm I'm taking the position you need now, especially if you're Ottawa. If you're Ottawa and Edmonton, which I guess we'll talk about Edmonton next week, but if you're one of those teams who, in the basement, having a guy who's going to spend two, three years in the NFL, potentially jump around here and there, it's not going to help you out much. So that's why I would go with someone that you, you've talked to in, these, in, in meetings and pre-scouting and during the combine and being like, yes, sir, I'm coming to Canada in June. You know, that's kind of the guy I would look for first round. And with all these extra rounds, then if there's that guy available, but if I'm like, if I'm the first round and I'm like the bombers who have the ninth or 10th, whatever ninth pick, then maybe I'll risk it for a guy, you know, a team that's more solidified. But no, if I'm rebuilding, does auto really have time to wait another two, three years for these guys? You know, I, I think they, they, did they win the home game last year? No, I don't think no, so. No, exactly. So they can wait. They, they want to win a home game this year. I don't think they're going to wait two or three years for these guys to develop. You know, I, I'll argue a little bit on that, Trey, because I look at what the Ottawa Red Blacks have last year. They had William Powell in as a running back. Didn't do much. I mean, he had a bad year. He was injured a lot. Uh, they've got a decent running back again this year, but another American that's going to be their starting running back. If you have an opportunity to draft a guy like Andrew Harris, we don't know if Chase Brown is going to end up in the NFL. I think he will. He's been shocking like he will. He is definitely looking at the NFL draft. But if you got an opportunity to get a guy like Chase Brown that can be a complete game changer for you on the ratio, wouldn't you maybe take a shot at it? I mean, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. You, I know you may not see him for two or three years, but running backs are blowing through the NFL like it's no tomorrow. Uh, I mean, you look at the NFL right now, Chuba Hoover, uh for the uh, 
I mean, that's a Canadian that could be playing in the CFL right now. He may never get into the CFL, but there's a pretty good chance as a running back, he could get burned out by Cleveland or whoever sooner than later. So but what draft, what, when was he drafted? He wasn't drafted for in the first round. I don't think no. in the CFL. So that's what I mean. Like, yeah, he, he and I, I mean, he's proven to be a pretty good running back and I put him above the guy you're talking about. So, you know, if, if he's only worth a second or third round pick or whatever he was, why would I give up a first overall for somebody? But I see what you're saying. Like you got to take the home run shot. Like, I don't know. Well, look at Nathan Rourke was like a second or third round draft pick too. Right. And he was, the pick was actually Calgary's. I just learned today that they traded away. So, you know, you, you, you don't know what you get in those lower rounds. It's usually those lower round guys. And no, I, I, if I was Ottawa, I'm taking somebody who I can plug in today to help Mazzoli out, you know, indefinitely. Yeah, I think if I'm one of the teams later in the draft and, you know, we'll get we'll obviously get to there yet this week and next week, then then maybe, you know, if I'm an established team that had a good playoff run, then maybe I'm taking one of those chances because I feel good about where my roster is at for this upcoming year. Right. Whereas it seems like Ottawa, Edmonton, I think those are teams that need to win now and are going to try to make the draft picks that help them do so. Uh, let's move on to our next team here. Next up from the East Division on the draft board is the Montreal Alouettes. They have two picks in the first round this year, just like they did last year. They currently pick at number five and number seven. Uh, that number seven pick, I believe, is uh, coming back from that Vernon Adams to BC trade uh, in the middle of last season. So two first round picks here for the Alouettes. They pick again in the second round, none in the third round for them. Um, uh, but, uh, they have a couple in the fifth and one in the fourth there as well. So, uh, a bit of a real allocation of draft picks, but once again, two in the first round and last year, Montreal, I think was the team that stole the show at the draft with their two first round picks. Uh, they had the number one on the board. They took Tyrell Richards at linebacker there. And then Tyson Philpott with the final pick of round one at wide receiver, uh, in, in a trade they made with Winnipeg to acquire that draft pick there. So, you know, Montreal, they traded up. They got that multi-first-round pick last year, and now they're looking to do the same this year. Uh, what do we see from this team, uh, Adam? What do you think uh, – where do you think Montreal should be looking? Well, Montreal is a very deep Canadian team, if you really take a look at them, especially in the offensive line is what I find. Uh, so I wouldn't expect them to pick up an offensive line in this draft just because, again, they've got so many guys on there. Landon Rice, you've got uh, Philip Gagnon, you, or Gagnon. Uh, you've got Sean Jamison, you've got other guys in here that have been, like, that. they've got such a depth in the Canadian offensive line. I really wouldn't see it too much. And lots of them actually have some pretty good experience in the O-line system. Uh, that being said, a few of them are getting a little bit older. Landon Rice is 35 already. Uh, Christian Matt, I mean, he's uh, 38. And I mean, how many more games does the guy have in him? Hard to say. I would hope a few more anyways. The real spot that I could see that they could probably help themselves a little bit with is probably on the defensive line of, of sorts. Uh, they've only got two guys signed right now, uh, Goenlock and uh, Desjardins. Uh, they they have uh, Goenlock's got 10 games. Desjardins has four games played. But again, not a whole lot like last year, not a whole lot of experience and not very much Canadian depth on the defensive side of the football. On the uh, receiving core, though, again, they could maybe draft another Canadian receiver to trail 
uh, give some backup help maybe to Tyson Filippo or uh, Julian Grant. Uh, they did add Jake Hardy this year, though, which uh, it just has kind of been a little bit of an injury-prone guy kind of in Saskatchewan, unfortunately, uh, but a great guy. Uh, hopefully he gets a good opportunity in Montreal. So I think probably I would say maybe on the receiving core, if there's a really good receiver that they could use right now, or maybe a defensive lineman. But uh, those are, I know D linemen are a little bit tougher, I think, to find in the CFL draft. Uh, so I would probably say maybe a receiver right at the moment. Trey, what are you thinking? Yeah, sorry guys, I had to fix my monitor. I was looking at it from the side and it was giving me a splitting headache. So now we're all good. But uh, no, I agree. I, I this Now we're a little bit lower in the draft. This is where I would go maybe with a little bit of a home run because you do have Phil Pot. You do have a couple pieces in play that will help you this year. Um, I think they have a, the mock draft has a receiver, Cole Tucker. That's the Canadian because his mom is from Brandon. Um, so, you know, that's where I would go or maybe go with the overall uh, Jared Wayne from Pittsburgh. If he's not selected earlier, they have pretty, a lot of stuff at the place. I think a little bit better than Ottawa. They're still kind of a dumpster fire, but it's which dumpster fires worse, probably Ottawa. But you know, I, I think this is where you start going with the home run at Ryan. Yeah. For Montreal, you guys have just touched on a lot of the same things I was thinking as well. I mean, uh, Montreal is, is quite, deep Canadian wise on the offensive line, at least, at least for now, I know they've got a couple of guys who are up there in age, like Christian Matt's 38 years old, Landon Rice is 35. You know, how many years do they have left in the tank there? But again, it's, it's a deeper or it's a more shallow at the O-line position in this draft. So uh, maybe you pick up one here later in a later round, but not necessarily those first round picks unless there, you think there's a really good one there. Uh, wide receiver, I really like what they have in Kayon Julian Grant and Tyson Philpott as their top two Canadian receivers. I think they're potentially, you know, could be this year two of the top five Canadian receivers in the CFL. I think there's a, a, a possibility for that as those two guys grow. They had great seasons last year. So same thing there. I don't know if I'm I'm going, you know, my first pick in the draft as, as a receiver there. I'm probably looking more at the defensive side of the ball, uh, you know, on the defensive line, defensive backfield, if there's the right pick available there. Linebacker, they're pretty solid at Canadian. You know, they drafted Tyrell Richards last year. Chris Ackie's there. They just re-signed a couple days ago, I believe, Brian Harrell Amana. Uh, who, you know, had a solid season for them last year there as well. Those are a bunch of Canadians at that position. So to me, I see defensive line, defensive backfield. I think you do draft at least one Canadian receiver here if you're Montreal. I don't know if that's the highest priority early in the round, though. But, you know, you guys, like we've been talking about when you make those reach picks that you think might not pan out. When you have two in in the first round, yeah, there's, I think, the potential to jump ahead of some of these other teams to, to snag one of those that are maybe looking at the second or third round for a guy like that. And, you know, it's Montreal, so look at the draft board and find which players were born in Montreal or speak French, and those are probably highly likely to be ones that Danny Machocha is looking at on draft day. Because yeah, the, the other thing to look at is... How many of the players are Montreal Carabins? 
I mean, you got to remember, Danny Machocha was the head coach of the Carabans for how long. He probably still has a little bit of insight on what uh, what there is over in Montreal, who he's seen as a younger guy, I guess, uh, maybe in his junior or in his uh, freshman year or so. Uh, the other thing, Brian, to keep in mind with Montreal is uh, I think maybe they could, you're right, still use that receiver. And it, it, I know that they've got the guys out there right now that could be top top receivers but i sure hope that they can bring in one more piece or two more pieces traditionally montreal likes to draft offensive linemen they always have uh when you look at a guy like connor o'donnell i mean he was drafted by montreal uh he's gonna probably still end up in the nfl he's still i guess under contract with the colts but uh yeah i mean there's guys that they they seem to have very good luck drafting offensive linemen uh that being said, last week, last year they did drive, uh, pick up Tyson Filippo, and that was a big piece for him. So we'll see what happens here. Maybe Danny Machoch has a different mentality than the old days of the Montreal Alouettes. Yeah, you talk about the territorial picks that Edmonton and Ottawa have at their end, end of the second round. If you're Montreal, every pick is a territorial pick, arguably. <laughs> Not every pick, but uh, it does seem like they do definitely favor and have the tendency in that regard there. Uh, anything else on Montreal you guys have uh, before we move on here? Just curious if the new ownership will go a different path. You know what I mean? This is the first draft, right? You might make a splash. You never know. Hey, this is my team. Jerry Jones at a bit. Who knows? You know, I don't know. I don't know this guy. I've never heard of him really before. So you never know what he could be doing. But it also could be just business as usual. And you know, Danny Machocha does what he does, right? Is, is there anything? Is there any sticking point here of looking at who the new head coach is also and the new quarterback, which is Jason Moss and Cody Fajardo, who are still probably at least in Fajardo's case, waking up at night with nightmares about lying on the field after yet another sack. You know, is there any thought to them potentially having a say of let's go get another offensive lineman or something like that? Well, I think if you look at what they had for an offensive line last year, I think they were pretty okay with what, uh, what they should be okay with what it is. I mean, yes, I'm sure probably that would be on every quarterback's wish list is a six foot eight, six foot nine offensive lineman that can absolutely manhandle somebody in the trenches. I'm sure that's probably on every quarterback's wish list. That being said, I don't know if it's Montreal's biggest priority here, but who knows? Maybe. Uh, one other thing I wanted to bring up too, guys. Of course, we just finished talking, and I'm sorry, we should have talked about this with Ottawa earlier. The first overall pick in the draft. Is there any chance Ottawa trades it and goes down in the thing? Uh, down in the draft, I just I have to throw it out there. You know, if they someone offers them players now, I would. You know what I mean? That's when a team like Montreal, Winnipeg, Toronto, or Toronto, who doesn't even have a first round pick, you know, that's maybe a draft pick where they say, "Hey, we got a guy that we don't really need. He's a Canadian that you can that we know is a starter, or a couple of those guys." And then Toronto takes a swing. You never know. That's what I would do, but I think Ottawa would keep it. Right. To me, to me, it depends. Like, I don't know enough about the players on the board to know if there is a standout, say, at number one that teams are willing to reach ahead to get that they're not just get a chance to pick on later, right? Like, it's not like the NFL draft where, you know what, the Chicago Bears, I believe, have the first overall pick this year. And, and you know, there's so much talk of, okay, knowing they're going to trade it. And it's like those first couple picks, like there's trade talk endlessly 
about those. But in the CFL, yeah, we get trades. Uh, it could happen. You know, Montreal did trade up to that number one pick last year because they really want to tire out Richards. There could be a guy here that a team does want to make that deal with Ottawa for. And if I'm Ottawa, I'm only making that deal if, you know, I'm moving down and confident I'm still going to get the guy I want and I get an additional piece available, right? So, uh, yeah, I think it all depends who's on the board necessarily uh, come draft day and what each team is kind of thinking in that regard. So answer your question, I think there's a chance. There's always a chance, but hard to tell without having that deep insight into the, the players on the board, right? Yeah, and I was looking at this one here and thinking that happened last year. Montreal has the picks to do it in theory. I mean, they've got a fifth overall pick and a seventh overall pick. That you think would be maybe pretty enticing for Ottawa, who needs to build on Canadian depth a little bit, maybe. But who knows? It's so early in the, uh, you know what? We're only two weeks away from the draft, and yet I say it's way too early to figure out what we're going to do. So, you know what? It's the CFL. It's the crazy football league when it comes to drafting. So, who knows? Sorry, in the in the chat, there's a comment. The Carolina Panthers have the first overall. They, they already made the trade with the Bears. Oh, okay. I, I thought, so. yeah. I thought that was already happened, didn't it? What did they trade? What? Wait, what? Or no? Or maybe not. I don't remember. I thought the Bears already traded that. I don't think the Bears traded their pick, did they? I couldn't. I don't know. <laughs> so this is the wrong spot. Oh no! The, no, the trap. The the draft. Yeah, yeah. They traded it to Carolina already. Yeah. For what? Uh, I don't remember. Let's see here. We'll look it up later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This yeah, is the wrong the CFL draft. Right now. <laughs> yeah, wrong the CFL draft uh, right now. But yeah, I, I I vaguely now that we talk about it, remember there being some kind of uh, of trade there, but. Point there being, yeah, there's a lot more heavy hitting trade talk with the NFL draft, the NHL draft, et cetera, than the CFL where it's, okay, if you're Montreal, you're trading five and seven for number one. Is the number one guy that worth it for you to give up, you know, two first round players potentially? I don't know. I, I don't think so. In most drafts, it doesn't tend to be the case. Um, but, uh, hey, you do what you got to do to get the guy you want, right? Well, and that's the thing. And I mean, if there was an absolute stud that said, I will not play in the NFL, I only want to play in the CFL. First of all, you question his mentality. And secondly, you'd probably go and make whatever you could to make the trade happen to be the first overall pick. That being said, I'm sure Chase Brown or Sidney Brown, whoever the best uh, Canadian guy is that's going out of college right now, uh, never committed to anything saying that he's going to be in the CFL. So you know what? Why right now would you pick up another guy? Unless there's somebody you really, really love, then maybe. Otherwise, no, nah, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, the NFL trade, I got it here. I the, too, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the Bears got DJ Moore and five draft and uh, four draft picks back from, yeah. from the Carolina Panthers there. Because so. they need a quarterback in Carolina. <laughs> right? So, <laughs> yep. Boy, do they ever. Um, yeah, so Montreal, Cam Newton can't do it anymore, but, but your point's still valid, right? What you were saying was that's what Chicago did, right? They got a boatload for that first pick that they didn't need, which I don't think you're getting a boatload in the CFL necessarily. Like, maybe you're moving down a bit and getting one extra second, third round pick back. You're not, 
you're not getting four picks back for the first yeah. pick overall. I think if you could get a solid Canadian and then that other pick or, or a solid player, it doesn't have to be Canadian necessarily, and that other pick for the first overall, I think that's a good price. Just remember what Nathan Rourke was worth. Well, yeah, in hindsight, every team should have offered their every draft pick they had in that draft to trade for Nathan Rourke, but probably not, given that, you know, he had one season bolted for the NFL. But uh, that's always the risk with these draft picks in the CFL as well, right? And that's what we've talked about with some of those uh, kind of reach picks of guys we think now are going to go to the NFL. But then on the other side, you also have, you could just hit a home run with a pick, but he could be gone within two years anyways, because he, he is good enough for it. Uh, let's move over to the Hamilton Tiger Cats here next, because uh, they're the next East team up on the board. And they pick at number six, uh trade they made with Calgary. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that trade was made November 14th. Is that part of the Bo Levi Mitchell trade uh, to trade his rights Probably. over to uh, Hamilton? Um, Probably. Or why would they have that pick from that trade? Not 100 percent sure uh, on that one. Uh, look Ooh, that's that. yeah, November 14th. Bo wasn't. That's before Great Cup. Bo wasn't traded before Great Cup, was he? Oh yeah, right. This must this must have been a different yeah. deal there. I'll look into that here yet as we go along as well. Uh, but they pick at sixth overall, and then their next pick is in round four at 29th, and they have uh, a couple picks later at 31. So no picks in the second and third round. Pretty quiet draft here for the Ticats, who I guess they're you know they're in win now mode, right? They're hosting the Grey Cup this year. Maybe they've traded some of these picks away to to try to bolster the roster for what they have now to get it done here. But guys, I'm a little bit concerned about that because I feel like the Ticats are an aging team. I mean, I haven't crunched the numbers of ages in the CFL, but you look on that offensive line, there's a couple aging pieces there. You know, defensively, you look at a number of guys that have uh, have been around with this team, you know, for, for a number of years uh, on like a, a Ted Laurent, you know, on defensive line, he's up there at 35. G. Garrett Davis is 33. Simone Lawrence, 35. You got some older pieces on this team. I, I think it's a team that, you know, I get wanting to win now, and you really should want to win now because it seems like your window is closing. Concerns me maybe a little bit that you don't have the picks uh, for the future here, though. Uh, Trey, how do you balance that if you're a team trying to win now? I guess you overhaul with American talent and you just put the Canadians in where they need to, the classic CFL way, right? But, um, because uh, I'm looking at that, there's a couple positions where you're like, ooh, they could, you know, they might need a Canadian. I I could say they might need a Canadian receiver. Uh, Canadian line would be nice. Canadian defensive line. That's you know, yeah, they, they got some talent in there. But like you said, Ted Laurent getting a little up there in years. Um, they got Botang there too, but you know, yeah. I, I definitely would think receiver or O-line. You've got to give Bo time. You have decent running backs now with Butler. Um, are you shaking your head at me, Adam? I can't tell what you're doing. No, no, no. I'm just looking <laughs> like, at something. Just okay, I just see if you going like this, and I'm like, man, you can tell me to shut up anytime here. No, 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 no. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. No, it's okay. <laughs> um, so I was like, usually not that quiet when you disagree with me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'd go with the offensive line. You got to give Bo the time. You got to give him tools or receiver. You have a decent, uh, running back in Butler, 
if they decide to run the ball. You also have um, a couple Canadians in there too. I think Hamilton, Hamilton's in that spot. Yes, they're an aging team, but we could say that about Winnipeg. We could say that about a few other teams in the league. So are they older than the youngest team? Probably, but are they that much older than the, the teams that they're going to be competing with at the, in November? Probably not. Adam? I'm just taking a look here. Who is the general manager of the Hamilton Tiger Cats? It's an O? It's got to be Orlando Steinhauer. must go through everything because on their operations page, they got Drew Alamang as your uh, assistant general manager and Hervey's an assistant general manager uh, and Spicer or Spencer Zimmerman is also an assistant general manager. So I guess everything's got to go through Steinhauer, I guess, because... First of all, that's kind of crazy. If you need a general manager, my phone number. I'm kidding. I'm not going to get my phone number on the line. But nevertheless, uh, you know what? It it don't matter what you do right in the future right now for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. If you ain't winning a Grey Cup this year, Steinhauer's gone. They're going to blow that thing up. And you know what? You may as well go for a win now. If there's a player that can step in, contribute immediately, either in the special teams or in the offense or defensive side of the football, take them. That's all you got in Hamilton right now. You're you're not building for 2025 or 2026. You're building for 2023 and winning a great cup in Hamilton, and that's all you worry about. So if there's a player that you can see on the field and go hard, make the 52-man roster, and can win you a game, take them. I don't know who it is, honestly. I don't know. They've got depth places that they could use. You're right, Trey. They can use an offensive lineman to give Bo Levi some extra time. If there's a guy that can block for Bo Levi this year and can do it well, take him. Uh, if there is a receiver that Bo Levi can throw to and get close to 1,000 yards with, take him. And honestly, you don't care what's going on in the future right now in Hamilton. All you care about is the 2023 Grey Cup. Take whoever you and if you can get a real good player a real good canadian make a trade go get the go get the best player you can because yeah it's great cup or bust right now for hamilton uh looked up the trade details on that first round pick for them so that was the bowie by mitchell trade on november 14th so i guess his rights got traded uh before the great right before the great cup freeze probably right yeah, because remember there was big talk at Grey Cup week uh, of Bowie by Mitchell now now being with the Tie Cats at that time. There uh, in that trade, the Tie Cats got the fifth overall pick uh, from the Stampeders. They also got uh, the next year third round selection, and they sent back uh, to Calgary. They sent back a first round pick, a third round, uh, a sixth round this year, and next year's second. So that's why we see Hamilton with less draft picks because they already used them to bring in Bo Levi Mitchell, which, hey, that to me looks like a pretty good use of draft picks, you know, if it works out there with Bo in Hamilton. As a team that only has, you know, one pick in the first three rounds here, this is a team that I, I don't think you make that, you know, reach pick for, for superstar potentially, right? Like you're either a piece for the future or you're, you're taking a piece in round one that you think is going to help you this year win, win that cup there. Uh, because if not, if you make that reach and it doesn't land, then you have nothing to show for the first three rounds of the draft here. So that's where I was thinking as well. You know, it's not a deep O-line draft, but the Ticats are a team to me that should be drafting oh, an offensive lineman if one falls to them. And that's because... Chris Van Zyl's 40 years old. You know, how many years does he have 
uh, left in the tank here on the offensive line. You know, Joel Figueroa is 34, David Beard, Brandon Revenberg, they're also in their 30s already. Like, those are some good core pieces, but you want to have those pieces come in later on as well. And that's the tricky balance between win now and compete for later is making sure you have those pieces to supplement the guys that are winning now. You got to LA Rams it. LA Rams it. Like what they did, they won a few years ago and they dra- wasted all their draft picks and what the, they had the worst uh, standings the next year in like Super Bowl history or NFL history kind of thing. That's what Hamilton needs to do. Who cares what happens? Bo can be benched in 2024, but 2023, he needs to win now, right, Adam? Yeah, I know. It's a win now. Like I say before, it's win now for Hamilton. I mean, you you brought in Bo Levi Mitchell for only one reason and one reason alone. You didn't bring him in to go and uh, go for 2025. You came for this year. Uh, you signed some of those contracts that I don't. I thought were kind of questionable for Hamilton to sign in. I mean, Duke Williams, he didn't come at a cheap price. I can guarantee you that. You brought him in for a reason, and it is to win a great cup. So that's the only reason you're the only thing you're worrying about this year in Hamilton. I'd like to talk to more about more about them in the draft and what they'll do. And I could see this team going in your right tray, pulling off the LA Rams this year here. They could be 14 and 14 and three, 14 and four could be just a great record for the Hamilton Tiger cats. And next year they might be five and 11, or five and 12 or five and 13. Honestly, this is a one year deal. Unless there's something drastic that happens, I, like I say, I I would honestly think that the Thai Cats are, yeah, they're looking at Grey Cup. They're not looking at drafts. And let's be clear here. You don't need to build through the draft in the CFL necessarily. Like, it, it helps to get those Canadian pieces, but it's not like a rebuilding team. I'll look at the NHL, you know, where, okay, yeah, get those draft picks and, you know, stock the prospect cupboards here. We saw the Ottawa Red Blacks in their second year in the league buy a you know, a, a trip to the Grey Cup and free agency. There's so much overhaul every year that if you're a team that's looking to compete now, you, you're stocking the cupboards in free agency. And I think you touched on that earlier, Trey. And maybe you're using these draft picks to, you know, supplement for the future at that point. Maybe you're not looking at this pick and and saying, okay, this is something I'm looking to to use to win right now. Uh, anything else on the Ticats before we move on to the Argos? Do you see them doing an unprecedented amount of trades this year then? You know what I mean? Or trying to try to push it. You know what I mean? Maybe they're not 14 and four around August, right? And that's when we start seeing those remaining picks they do have go elsewhere or whatever, you know? So I could see that because I, I think we're hitting a new time of the CFL. I think the Hamilton needs to needs to do something and not it's bad when you're in Toronto's shadow you know what i mean a little bit here with how toronto's been being has been lately right so and no disrespect to the team just hamilton's kind of that has been the superpower in the east as far as it goes and if they don't do good this year with bow and everything else i mean by do we even do we even do we see the coaches get fired early if things aren't going well, like I know that's a whole other show. Like, do they get the whole season? Like, just because uh, in the CFL you could finish at seven and ten or seven and eleven and somehow make it to the Great Cup? Like, who knows? It's certainly a lot of pressure, right? I, and right, Adam, there's certainly a lot of pressure being the team hosting the Great Cup. Yeah, we won't talk about that as much because you know. Uh, but nevertheless, you're right. I mean. It, they have been underneath a little bit. You got to admit, Hamilton has been, yeah, the top runner here since probably 20, 
2013, they were good. 2014, they were good. And they've been good for a very long time. Uh, they probably should have won a great cup or two here or here or there. I mean, if it wasn't for a pass inter- or a holding call on a return or anything else, I mean, this team probably would have won a great cup. But that being said, they got to be a little bit peeved that uh, Toronto just walked in, came in one year, bought, essentially went in and got a great cup. That I don't care if you're a Hamilton fan. That's not acceptable seeing Toronto win a great cup before you again. Uh, they've had the team. They've gotten. A, they've done their push. This is their all-in push now. They've got their quarterback. They've got everything they need to do. Yeah, the pressure is going to be there. It's going to be there all season. And do I see an early change in the coaching system? They like Steinauer. They really do. I think that they might get him some help if he needs it. Uh, and I think that the pressure is there. And he's been told probably this is it. You better do something. I would imagine that's come down to him and probably explained to him in a pretty plain fashion. But that being said, I think Hamilton, they they know what they've got. They know what they got to do. I think they're going to do something this year. Like I say, we'll see more of them when we get to our team uh, previews. But uh, yeah, I, I'm not worried about it right now for Hamilton. They're just worrying about all in. Let's move over to the Toronto Argonauts, our final team here in the East Division. Uh, they do not have a first-round draft pick because they traded it over to the BC Lions. They had the last pick in the first round. They traded to BC for uh, middle linebacker Jordan Williams, who at one point in time was a first-round pick of his own. I believe a first overall pick, if I'm remembering correctly there. But he wanted to move out east, uh, be closer to home, be closer to where he was running his business. So the Argos picked him up. The, they also still brought back Henoch Mwamba. So they're stacked at the linebacker position, uh, I think is fair to say. The Argos are a bit of an enigma this year to me because uh, Three Down Nation put out their list of you know top, uh, pri- uh, top contracts uh, at quarterback, running back, and wide receiver so far. And Chad Kelly, the starting quarterback of the Toronto Argonauts, is number 14 in terms of highest contracts at quarterback. Uh, what was it? Under $100,000, I believe, is his contract? 97, it looked like. For that, yeah, something like that this year. So they're saving so much money compared to some other teams at the quarterback position that you would have think they would have spent that in free agency this year to maybe make a, a, some big splashes elsewhere. But I look at the moves the team has made and I feel like they've lost more this year than they've gained. So, uh, I, I mean, maybe this is more talk for, for when we get to the, uh, uh, you know, season preview for the team. But uh, what are you looking at here, Adam, for the Argos? A championship team uh, last year, you know, it seems like they've still got pretty good depth at, at a number of different positions here. Do you see something that you would expect them to do in the draft? Well, not a whole lot, really, that I can see that will be special. Their offensive line, I think, is still a great offensive line uh, with Shane Richards in there and Darius Bladek. I mean, you got guys under 30 that played a lot of games for you this last year. Uh, and you got some up-and-comers, Dylan Giffen. Uh, I think he'll probably get some more time out there. Maybe even uh, Peter Nicastro. I mean, he didn't have any season or uh, things last year, but he might get an opportunity this year. Who knows? Uh Offensive line, they're okay, and uh, receiving. I mean, you got one of the guys in there have a great season in Curly Gittins Jr. this year. He had 1,100 yards last year. He's a Canadian. That's going to be one of your top receivers in the league. 
I think this year and not just Canadian or American, I think he's just going to be the top, uh, one of the top receivers. So he's going to be a great pickup uh, on there. And I think you could give him some help maybe a little bit. If this is a more talented draft than a uh, offensive line, defensive line kind of draft, you might be able to get him some help there as well. Uh, over on the quarterback, you're right. They're saving a pile of money with Chad Kelly. I mean, I can see maybe why he was a little annoyed about his contract after hearing it. But that being said, look at what our BC did last year. They brought in all these big, big name players, and they made a run like you wouldn't believe. If Nathan Rourke was completely healthy and they hosted the West Final, they very well might have made the Grey Cup. Hard to say, but Winnipeg was awful talent as well. So, I mean, it was uh, it was going to be a good run. But that being said... BC had a different formula and it worked for them. This being said, you never know what Toronto might be up to. They've got some um, new American receivers in there. Uh, I think that that's what they're going to be focusing on. Uh, I know that they've gotten rid of a few uh, other receivers that were kind of maybe a little bit of a surprise that they let go. Uh, if you take a look at receivers, I mean, Jawan Breskison, he's the Canadian that I kind of was surprised that they let go. Uh, but he ended up in a good place, I think. Um, but yeah, their, their defensive line, uh, and their, uh, linebacking core, especially, I mean, they're playing Canadian linebacker, obviously. And I think they're going to be very, very talented doing it. Uh, and that's a pretty good position to have a good Canadian depth in. You can then move Americans elsewhere and that should help them a lot. And they, I think their defense is going to be solid. I mean, they lost a couple pieces, their offense, I maybe got a little bit of questions about the receiving core a little bit, but not much. I, I think they could use maybe some help from the Canadian side on the receiving core just because they did lose Breskison. And on uh, running back, you still got the ageless wonder Andrew Harris back. You got to wonder how much he's going to play this year. That being said, if they need to, they got the Canadian depth on the offensive line to put a lead in. So I think they are probably fine on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, maybe a little bit on the receiving core is maybe the only thing I would look at. Uh, Trey? Yeah, I agree with the receiving core. That was kind of my first eye because after um, <clears throat> Curly Gittens, it's kind of, you know, he, he goes down. What are you going to do? You know, and that's unfortunate side you have to play with in uh, football. Looking at, looking at their quarterbacks, who the heck is their backup? Who, like Chad Kelly? Maybe, maybe Chad Kelly get a raise if he plays both strings, right? I don't know. Holds the clipboard. Know, does, it, does it benefit you to play a Canadian quarterback yet? I don't think it does. I don't think so either. Um, they got a guy named Brian Scott. In yeah, I see there. that. Yeah. Well, that's the reason why I thought that. I was like, I couldn't remember if the CBA kicked in with the Canadian quarterback or not yet. But even still, get a Canadian quarterback in there. We've had a couple of them do good recently. Um, but other than that, or I would, but more seriously, I would look at running back. Yes, and it depends on which way you're going. If they want to be Andrew Harris with, oh my goodness, Daniel Adoboy, Adoboy, whatever you say there, got oh, Adoboy, Adoboy, Adoboy. Man, I can't say that. But anyway, if they go that route, then maybe you want another Canadian in there uh, just in case, because I know the Bombers seem to carry two or three Canadian running backs at a time when they're kind of doing that rotation. But if you go with AJ, AJ Olet, who I would go with, it's a moot point. But yeah, I think definitely receiver. They did lose something. This is also a team, too, that you have to remember, if, if you're thinking about it logically, 
I mean, do do you really see big things out of Ottawa and Montreal? Probably not. So Toronto's only obstacle is going to be one game, either in the Timbit box or the Timbit box across the lake or in BMO, but against the Thai Cats. That's probably the really the only thing they're playing for this year, unless they get played with injuries or Montreal and Ottawa turn around and have an amazing season, which could happen. But you know, they just need to keep ready for that game you know what i mean i hate to say that i hate to but the 18 game season they're most likely going to get second if not third i couldn't see them not getting in they just have to focus on that kind of the same thing i said last year you have andrew harris and that last year they had brandon banks you need those veteran guys you just need to find something to fill in any little crack that uh come come october come november when the pressure's on yeah, for the Argos, I'm looking at a lot of the same things you guys said there already. To me, you know, I take a look at the defense. They've got, you know, some pretty good pieces on that defensive line already. And a linebacker, I'd be shocked to see them go linebacker early here uh, as well. Maybe defense back, you know, the only Canadians they have there, Royce Mechie, Josh Haggerty, uh, who played, you know, solid roles last season there for them. Eric Sutton did get in nine games, played some special teams last year, but... Uh, maybe add another piece of the defensive backfield. But uh, other than that, you know, Canadian also. They did sign at Canadian wide receiver this offseason. They signed David Unger over from Hamilton. That move doesn't do a whole lot for me. You know, Unger was that, you know, kind of fifth receiver in the offense that you get from a Canadian normally, right? Uh, as we see guys like Gittins Jr. Uh, and, you know, Dembski and, you know, some of these guys in Montreal that we just talked about earlier that are kind of making more of a name for themselves in the offense. I want to see Canadian receivers like that. So if there's one available in the draft, I say go for it if you're the Argos and can snag one of those guys here as well. And, and I think they're a deep team across the board. So they are a team that I think has the potential to take a shot, you know, one of those home run shots in the draft. And I don't think it's going to set them back. I think they're going to be able to, like you said, Trey, compete just as well as anybody else uh, in the East division and in the CFL this season with the roster they have. And if they do nothing in the draft, you know, the, if they do nothing successful with the draft picks on draft day this year, you know, it's success enough to bring in a former first overall pick Jordan Williams and have to give up a, a ninth overall pick this year to, to get in, to, to get a guy that, you know, is a pretty darn good middle linebacker in your future there at that position. So that to me is they're already ahead of the game on draft day here. If I'm looking at the Argos. If you also look at the Argos, they like to take guys that have been established in the CFL, like you just said. Uh, In Calgary, specifically. Well, but hey, they picked apart Saskatchewan over the years, too. Philip Blake was with the Argos there. Uh, Same thing also with Darius Bladak. He was drafted by the Riders, and all of a sudden, he's an Argo. Uh, They do like to pick up the guys that seen some CFL experience a little later on in the thing and maybe spend some of their draft picks getting them. So it's a smooth strategy. I don't, I really do like the trade for Jordy Williams, uh, especially if he was going to probably just have to be released anyways. It's a win-win for both sides. BC gets something out of it, and Toronto gets a very good Canadian linebacker. So I like the move no matter what. But again, Toronto's done this before where they bring in these guys. Uh, they'll either trade for them or they'll just pick them up in free agency and offer them a crazy amount. 
and get them after the fact if they don't draft them. Uh, traditionally, I don't think Toronto is one of those teams that drafts very well, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I, I think he hit the nail on the head there. Uh, I don't think they're terrible in the draft, but, uh, you know, looking back at their history, I don't think we see too many names. Well, maybe we see a couple uh, over the past decade that uh, pop up uh, as good draft picks, and maybe we'll see some of them pop up in our top five lists as uh, we get ready to move on to our top five countdown here for this episode. Well, we're talking about the East Division and the CFL draft. So, Adam, you came up with the idea for this year's or this this week's countdown, sorry, uh, which is top five East Division draft picks from the past decade. Uh, do you want to clarify the official criteria for us here as well, Adam? Yeah, so it's got to be a Canadian. They have to be drafted by an East Division team. They can't be going and being drafted by a West Division team and being re-signed because, yeah, Toronto, and I just explained one of those, uh, they have to be drafted by either the Argos, the uh Ottawa Red Blacks, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, or the Montreal Alouettes. Or if you really want to go crazy and go with the Joe Mack thing, Blue Bombers, you're welcome to do that too because, you know what, they were in the East in 2013. Go ahead. If you really want to pick one of them guys, have fun. Nevertheless, uh, <laughs> that's the rules on this. So you, And the other rule is they must have played one Canadian football game. After that, they in a in a game they they had to play one. If they played one, they count, and that you could pick them up. Otherwise, you can't. So those are the rules. Uh, you have to be drafted from the East and have to have one game in the CFL. Um, by the way, looking back at last week's top five countdown, uh, we counted down our top five CFL running backs. Uh, the poll is not officially over at this point, so get those votes in. Find it on our Twitter account at uh, at CF Countdown Pod. Uh, but Trey is in the lead at thirty three percent of the votes, and the rest of us are all tied at twenty two percent. So Trey uh, Trey is ahead of the game on that one. Uh, let's get going though. Top five East draft picks in the past ten years, twenty thirteen onwards. Adam, you came up with the idea, so when you do that, uh, you get to be the one to get us started here. Uh, who f- comes in at number five for you? Now, this one here, I mean, I didn't really want to put on the list, but I want to put him on there more for symbolic reasons. Uh, he was a seventh-round pick and the 54th uh, overall pick from uh, Simon Fraser University, uh, Justin Herman Reed. Good player. He's been around. He's been in the with the Argos. He was drafted by... Uh, but that being said, I mean, he was with the Winnipeg or with the uh, BC Lions before that. He was with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I think he just hasn't had a good chance in the league. Uh, he's played some pretty serious games and when he has to. Good linebacker. Yeah, Herdman Reed is my uh, fifth overall pick in this uh, in this uh, sort of draft. From Simon Fraser University, you know, with their successful football team at the time. Exactly my point of why he became number five. All right, Trey, let's go over to you. Who do you have at number five on your list? This was the worst thing I did today, and I wrote an eight-page paper for um, in my movie class. Um, I took, you know what? Uh, University of Manitoba Bison draft 2015. Sixth round pick, 45th overall, 
wasn't uh, his name would suggest maybe he came was uh drafted in Quebec, but it's Keenan LaFrance. I love the guy. I, his stats weren't there. Uh, he was drafted by Ottawa, if I didn't say that. His stats weren't there, but I think he was grossly underused in Ottawa, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, and now he's back in Saskatchewan, still on the roster, according to Wikipedia. So, um, yeah, I'll take Keenan LaFrance. I thought maybe at one point he would be the new guy here, and he just, for whatever reason, we went with Oliveira and Augustine and I guess McCray's a running back, according to Adam, but the poll, uh, the people on the poll don't agree. Uh, so, yeah, Keenan LaFrance, right? Yeah, I really, when he was with Ottawa, I really thought he was going to take off as a starting running back. I'm surprised that kind of went downhill from there. I guess he never really got the full opportunity to do so. Uh, for me, my number five pick, uh, I just actually swapped it out a couple minutes ago. I had a different one, but I really like this one because you'll sense perhaps a common theme here with some of my picks uh, in this draft because I really like the depth picks because we talk about those later round ones not mattering a whole ton. Well, sometimes they do, and it mattered a lot this year when William Stanback went down in the first game of the season uh, for the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, and Jeshron Antwi came in and quickly ran for a massive run there. He was picked 48th overall in round six in the 2019 draft by the Alouettes, uh, I believe from the University of Calgary. Uh, you know, he's perhaps part of the future there at running back for Montreal. So I got to give a nod to Jeshron Antwi there. Uh, last season for him, you know, got into kind of a 1A, 1B role for most of the season, put up 600 yards on the ground there. Not a bad season for him. Uh, let's go back to you here, Trey, I guess, for your fourth uh, overall pick, because I think Adam is elsewhere occupied. Oh, he's back, but let's go to you here yeah. first. Anyways, Trey. <clears throat> let's go back to the year 2016. We're looking at York University graduate, uh, round six, pick 49, currently plays for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but he was drafted by the Toronto Argonauts. I'm going Chris Kolakowski. Go with the old line here, big boy. I kind of like what he's been doing here in Winnipeg. He's kind of been that depth guy, kind of sliding in here and out. I wasn't too much of a fan of anybody so far on this list. So, uh, yeah, going with the current Blue Bomber. Adam, who do you have? Well, hopefully it don't sound too funny here, but uh, I'm going to go with the uh, 66th uh, round pick, eighth rounder. Uh, he was a part of the uh, uh, 2017 draft. He is a Hamilton Tiger Cat from the U of M Carabans from Montreal. Uh, Sean Thomas Erlington. He is a solid receiver, uh, running back in a team that doesn't like running backs and yet he could still produce pretty darn well. So yeah, I'm going to go with Erlington there and eventually probably Montreal Alouette. If Danny Machocha can get his paws on. I had Sean Thomas Erlington as one of my honorable mentions. He didn't quite make my list, uh, but early on in his career, those first couple of games before he got injured, I was high on him. I thought he was going to be, you know, future stud at running back. Hamilton just doesn't give him the opportunity there. But, hey, you know, when he does have the opportunities, he shines. Uh, for me, for my fourth uh, spot here, I'm going to the 2019 draft, round two, ninth overall pick. I'm going to a guy who was first, you know, the scapegoat and then turned into the hero this past November in the Grey Cup, and that is defensive lineman Robbie Smith. 
who took it for the Toronto Argonauts, who did take, I believe it was a bad penalty there that uh, gave the Bombers a chance. And then uh, he came up with the blocked field goal to seal the deal there for the Argos. Uh, I can't think of too many guys that have been drafted in the past you know, 10 years that have directly made such a big uh, crucial moment impact in a Grey Cup game like Robbie Smith has. And, uh, you know, he redeemed himself later in that game. He got it done. So uh, he gets my nod there uh, from Wilfred Laurier, ninth pick in the 2019 draft. Uh, Robbie Smith makes my list. Uh, you know, three sacks last year uh, in 17 games with the team. Interception, forced fumble. Good year on the defensive line for him there. Uh, I believe I'm the only one who hasn't started off a round yet, so I guess we'll go back to me here for round three. Uh, and I'm going to a guy we mentioned earlier on the podcast today, actually, and that is recently retired Antoine Pruneau out of the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, 2014 fourth overall pick by the team, and like I think you said earlier, Adam, was with Ottawa from start to finish. So many guys trade places in the CFL that, you know, when coming up with, okay, the most impactful picks, it's like, well, did, was he impactful with his current team or with the team he ended up moving to? This is one of the few guys that from start to finish was one of the top players on his team and, you know, is one of the best Ottawa Red Blacks in history currently in their young history there. So uh, Pruneau uh, gets my pick fourth overall from Montreal uh to the uh from the montreal caravans as well to the ottawa red blacks uh great career for him uh there so he gets my nod at number three uh, adam let's go back to you here yeah i got a guy that you know what he put a lot of uh games in for the team he was drafted with the ottawa red blacks i uh, had 52 games with him when he was after he was drafted as a first round pick ninth overall from the university of saskatchewan yeah i'm talking about evan johnson uh I can't say that he's had a good career after he got into Saskatchewan, but hey, you know what? He put some awful good day career day times in in Ottawa, helped them get to a Grey Cup in 2017. Yeah, they lost it to the Stamps, but you know what? Uh, he was a very good Ottawa Red Black player. He was highly regarded and really highly regarded when he was uh, picked up by the hometown Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Unfortunately, things didn't quite work out there, but boy, when he came in, uh, he was definitely an offensive lineman that you wanted to take notice of. Uh, Trey. Oh, right. Um, I'm jumping back here to, well, not that far. 2015 draft round four, pick 31. Uh, this, uh, this guy, when he was a young man played two years at Elkhorn state, wherever that is, and then transferred to South Alabama. Uh, where uh, he ended up throwing uh, almost 2,000 yards in his freshman year. Throwing, so there's a little hint there. Before Nathan Rourke made it cool to be a Canadian quarterback, I'm going to Toronto, Ontario's Brandon Bridge. Uh, drafted by the Montreal Alouettes, uh, then played a couple years for Saskatchewan, kind of on Toronto, ended up back in Montreal and BC, apparently. So, Brandon Bridge. Air Canada, right? That was yeah, yeah. Game, right? That, yeah. How how more? Oh, right there, Wikipedia, Air Canada. How more impactful can you be than to be named after the worst uh, uh, airline in the world? <laughs> <laughs> well, there goes that potential sponsorship deal. <laughs> but it opened up all the rest. 
Yeah, he may be one of the most talked about draft yeah. picks, right? Uh, I had him, I actually had him higher up, but just listening to you guys kind of talk, I was like, well, you guys are going more serious here, actual. So I bumped him down a little bit. All right, so Brandon Bridge comes in at number three there for you. Uh, Trey, let's go back to you, I guess, oh. then to kick off. Uh, who do you have at number two? Wow. Let's see here. University of Calgary. Uh, first round draft pick. Ninth pick overall. Currently plays for the uh, Montreal Alouettes. His twin, though, plays for the Stampeders. I'm going to go with Phil Pot of the Tyson variety. Yeah, couldn't get, I was getting them mixed up there. Tyson, Phil Pot. Because if I say Jalen, oh, we said East. Um, I'm going. To, I think this guy's got some of the best potential out of a lot. Him and his brother have some of the biggest potential in Canadian receivers going forward. I kind of stretched this one again. He hasn't shown too much yet at all, right here. Um, but I, he impressed me because I think going into it, I said his brother would be the one we'd be talking about right now. But I feel we talked a little bit more about Tyson. Uh, who's next? Ryan, Adam? I don't care. Uh, let's go to you next, Adam. Yeah, okay. You know yeah. what? Uh, I'd like to go and throw in some other stats about Tyson Philpo, but I can't. He's my number two pick as well. I mean, the kid has got potential out like the yin-yang. I think that he's a great guy on special teams right now where you got to start at. He's been great when he has had the opportunity in the receiving core. This guy's only going to get better. He's only been drafted in, what, 2022. He, he's he's a stud in offense. I think he's going to be just – he was a dandy pick for Montreal. I would have just loved it if somehow they could get Jalen as well. And I think one year they will get back together. And when they do, boy, that's going to be tough to play with uh, against anyways. Uh, but, yeah, no, Montreal's got themselves a winner there at number two for me. Uh, Tyson Philpo. Well, I'm not going to make it a hat trick and put him there for me as well. Uh, again, honorable mention, but uh, I decided to go with nobody from the most recent draft for that very reason of still young in their career. I don't know how it ends up panning out longer term there for him, but if he continues on the trajectory he's on, if we were to redo this top five, you know, in a couple of years, yeah, he'd probably move up to the top of the list there for me. I am going to the offensive line. I'm going to six foot four, went to college at Grand, the Grand Valley State Lakers, uh, a third overall pick in 2016 by the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I'm going to Brandon Revenberg, uh, you know, four-time CFL All-Star, four-time East All-Star, been with the Ticats since 2016. You know, he's been a mainstay on that offensive line. And uh, he's one of the best, I think, at the position, given, you know, the accolades he's got there. So I got to give a nod to Brandon Revenberg with my number two pick here. Uh, and then we get into our top dra East draft picks from the past 10 years. And uh, Adam, let's go back to you to kick off uh, and tell us who your number one was. Well, let's see if anybody repletes this one here. Uh, he is from Wakefield. Uh, he, I'm sorry. I honestly was trying to write down everybody's thing on way that where they were from. Uh, so I'm literally just looking it up while I'm talking to you here real quick. Uh, again, Wilford Laurier, uh, graduate, sorry. Uh, he was drafted. Oh, I can't even see it. 25 years old. I'm talking about Curly Gittens Jr. Uh, the Argonauts. Yeah. I've said before that they don't make some good picks, uh, with their draft picks. That was one of the good picks they made. Uh, outstanding receiver, practically almost top in the CFL last year. 
Uh, and he's only 25 years old. He's only going to get better. Uh, the Argo has got a winner in that one. And I'll tell you right now, he ain't going anywhere anytime soon because Toronto, if you do, well, you're crazy. Uh, yeah, Curly Gittins Jr., that's my number one pick. Uh, Ryan, let's go with yours. Let's uh, try to go last year. All right, for my number one pick, I'm going to wide receiver. He went to the Will University at the Wilfred Laurier. He was picked in the third round of the CFL draft in 2019 at uh, pick number 23. Uh, interestingly, you know, according to Wikipedia, born in Guyana and moved here to moved to Ottawa when he was seven years old. That makes him count for the Canadian draft uh, at that point. Uh, yeah, I think you may have just mentioned the same guy here. Uh, Curly Gittins Jr. was the runaway number one for me at, at the draft year as well. Uh, what did we say before? 1,100 yards this past season for him and only getting better there. Interesting to see how he does with Chad Kelly this year because I think he was MBT's number one guy, and that's why he did succeed as much as he did uh, over the past two seasons. But uh, one of my favorite receivers in the CFL and only getting better and made the list, uh, according to Three Down Nation, of the is one of the highest paid receivers in the CFL right now. So, and I think it's well deserved. So, give me Curly Gittins Jr. there as well. Uh, Trey, close this one out. Are you going the same path here, uh, or do you have a different number one? Yeah, we went with Curly. Uh, it was hard. <laughs> that was so. That was the only certain one I had going into this one, and the rest was just kind of. Yeah, you didn't really. You, you guys picked apart the Wikipedia page. I can't really uh, add much more. So he he got a 101 yard kickoff return touchdown against McMaster on October 17th, 2015. You can, uh, MLA cited that uh, Wikipedia page. It's perfect. There we go. <laughs> yeah, only so much you can pick apart from the CFL player Wikipedia pages, but we're bound to do so. Um, let's get, uh, you know, let's recap here. Let's take a look at the names. Maybe we left off. I think I touched on a couple of my honorable mentions here, so I'll, I'll, I'll go through mine first and mention, uh, you know, some others that jumped out on there. Uh, so my top five, I have Curly Gittins Jr., Brandon Revenberg, Antoine Pruneau, Robbie Smith, and Jeshron Antwi. Uh, Mark Corte, fourth overall in 2018 to Ottawa. And last season was paid by Edmonton as the highest paid offensive lineman in the CFL. Drew Desjardins taken that over, but I had him as an honorable mention there. Uh, and some of those other guys I mentioned, Tyson Philpot, and I really wanted to put K on Julian Grant, and that's who I originally had as my number five, but I saw that Dresher and Anthony was picked in round six, so I have to give him the nod there. Um, Adam, you've got Curly Gittins Jr., Tyson Philpot, Evan Johnson, Sean Thomas Arlington, and Justin Herman Reed on your list. Any notable names that uh, you wanted to include but couldn't fit in the top five? Yeah, Matthew Botang was one of mine that I really wanted to add on to the list, and I probably should have in the end. Uh, he's had a very good career so far. Uh, he was drafted up by the uh, Toronto Argonauts originally. Uh, one guy to keep an eye on, I think, actually, is Nick Cross. Uh, he played with the UBC Thunderbirds, and he was a Regina Ram before he actually transferred, which is, you don't see too many transfers over in the CBU uh, sports. So that was kind of cool. Uh, so I think Nick Cross might be another guy. He's with the Hamilton Tiger Cats right now. Uh, look out for him in the future. And one other guy, but he couldn't be even qualified for this list, was Carter O'Donnell. He was drafted by the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, 
currently with the Indianapolis Colts. However, I think if he comes back, there will be a bidding war for his services between Edmonton and Saskatchewan and everybody else that wants a great offensive lineman that's got a Canadian passport. So that those were the three honorable mentions I had. Right, your list here, Trey, you've got Curly Gittens Jr., Tyson Philpott, Brandon Bridge, Chris Kolonkowski, and Keenan LaFrance. Uh, anybody else uh, you want to touch on? Uh, just one guy who couldn't make it because uh, he didn't play it down. But my old boss at Cowboys, Derek Defoe, uh, was picked three. Uh, uh, he picked University of Manitoba. D. Lyman was drafted by the Hamilton Tiger Cats, got cut in training camp, but he was picked three picks before Winnipeg Blue Bombers' Nick Hallett, who's actually a serious starter and 10 picks after Jeshwan Antwi. So, I mean, Hey, it's still pretty cool to say I worked with a guy that got drafted uh, by the Ticat. He, I remember my first week he was wearing the Ticats too. And I told him to get that off. And then he explained to me how he was playing for the team. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. Then it's fine. Then, but you know, throw out to my old buddy there. Right on, and you know, you kind of already put this limitation in there with the hat to play one down thing, Adam, but uh, we couldn't include any, uh, no drafting dead players, right, Ottawa? Because uh, apparently that happened with the Ottawa Rough Riders of old back in uh, the 90s. Yeah, no, we're not allowed to draft dead people or pick dead yeah. people for the top five list. That yeah, means more that, than anything. I don't think that makes the top five list, no. that uh, That is doing a disservice to everybody else that's been drafted if that somehow makes the top five. And not to mention the players themselves. Um, so those are our top five uh, picks for draft picks from the East Division over the past decade. Uh, next week, guys, get ready. We're going to do the same thing for the West Division because uh, as we get into uh, you know wrapping up this week's podcast, what's coming up is next week we are previewing basically doing this exact same show except talking about the teams out west. So you are Winnipeg Blue Bombers, BC Lions, Calgary San Peters, Edmonton Elks, and Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, we'll go through these exact same things and do our top fives for there. So look forward to that Wednesday night, 9 30 Winnipeg time. I can catch it on the podcast or the YouTube feeds afterwards as well. Uh, and then the week after, same time, same place, we'll be here to recap the draft that takes place. I believe it's Tuesday, May 2nd uh, is when the, the draft takes place. And after that, we'll, I guess, get to compare our previews here and see if we were kind of thinking on the right page for what the general managers were thinking for their teams as well. Uh, of course, if you want to stay up to date on everything coming up on the podcast, you can do so by following us over on social media. Uh, let me take away the overlay there. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at CF Countdown Pod, Facebook.com slash CF Countdown Pod uh, if you want to follow us there as well. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter at Cooper Trooper 42, uh, talking a bit of more hockey and stuff lately with the playoffs around the corner, you know, gotta, gotta hype up the Tampa Bay Lightning after, you know, an easy opening win here uh, and three more to come in the next week or so. Uh, to end the playoff lives of the Toronto Maple Leafs once again. Hooray! Uh, you can find Mike. Mike's not here right now. Uh, Mike did mention on Twitter this week he will be back uh, when the season starts, but he's got a lot of work stuff going on. But if you ever want to hear his CFL thoughts, you can follow him on Twitter at Mike Garrell. Uh, Trey, you've got a lot going on these days. Uh, podcasts left and right here for you. Uh, where can people find everything you got going on? 
Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Trey Harnesslink. And yeah, just launched my new harness racing uh, podcast. We had our second episode today. Man, uh, you know, the the views and the interactions, they're way up than I thought they were going to be. So I was happy if 10 people watched and we got way more than that. So that if anyone that watches this watches that, thank you. If you want to learn more about the sport, it's on. Uh, it's called uh, Harness News Live. Wednesday is at 1 Central and Saturday is at 10 Central. Um, this Saturday, if you want to watch me and my producer, uh, his nickname is Ace, Nicholas Ace Barnsdale. We're having our first handicapping contest. So him and I go head to head uh, to see who's the best uh, best gambler. And uh, so, yeah, if you want to check that out, this is this is me calling you out, man. This is calling me out. So if you want to see some uh, pathetic smack talk and, and harness racing gambling, come check that out. Uh, Adam, where can people find you? Well, you can find me in a snowbank at Adam Stewart one. Uh, we, uh, yeah, I probably got pictures of storms and snow and, you know, things I don't really want to be posting. I'd rather be posting about farming and getting ready for seeding and everything, but no, we got to post about snow instead. So yeah, it'll change pretty soon. I hope. And, uh, yeah, of course you can find the, uh, some insight of my NHL stuff. I mean, I did try to convince the CN tower to, uh, not open the top of the uh, roof or anything because people might just jump off it and we don't want to see that. So uh, nevertheless, uh, yeah, you can catch my NHL takes as well. Uh, yeah, I probably opened my mouth maybe a little too far this uh, today over on uh, Twitter, but uh, you know what? That adds to the fun of it. And uh, yeah, if you didn't read it, I pretty much told one of the Winnipeg uh, Jets biggest fans if they can make a somehow win the series in six games or less, which I still don't think they're going to win it, uh, I go and wear a Winnipeg Jets jersey and buy one. So <laughs> I wouldn't even do that. <laughs> Man, I, no, I, I don't know why I did it, honestly, but you know what? I, I know I, why, I, I know why you did it. I, I, I fully understand. You know, you, your precious Colorado Avalanche, they lose one game in the playoffs, and you're already looking to jump ship and find a new bandwagon to jump on here. Or I was just that miserable about the Avalanche losing and thought I'd maybe try to uh, add to the misery of Winnipeg Jets fans. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm a man of my word. If they do win it, I will take a picture with in the six. Winnipeg Jets jersey. They got to no, Winnipeg has to win it in six. That's what he said. Winnipeg has to win in six. I I should have said it. Actually, did I put the six or did I put less than six? I gotta go look Yeesh. at that. Again. You, put, you put less than six. Oh, okay, ah, so five. Okay, the, you might be if oh, you might be safe. I... It's borderline now. Canada's right now, team, right? Up. Canada's team. Only Good. Canadian team to win a game so far in the playoffs. And Ed, Edmonton looks like they're uh, they blew their lead. They were up two nothing, and it was at least two one. Oh, no, just on a five, they were just on a five on three, and yeah, we're in a second intermission now. Uh, yeah, Oilers are getting them. Oh, way tied two two. Yeah, it's this tied two two. Jeez, tied up two two. I uh, told y'all, everybody's picking Edmonton in the finals. I have them being upset in round one. Uh, liking my picks there so far. I was gonna wear my Toronto Maple Leafs jersey today, but I couldn't find it. Uh, oh wait, it's in the penalty box. Um, that's a recurring <laughs> theme. Fun fact, I do own a Leafs jersey, or I did at some point, but I don't know where I got it from. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure 
90% of Leaf fans outside of Toronto, that's them. I don't know where I got this, so that's why I cheer for this team. I think it may have been just passed down in the family or something, but yeah, I had it. I, I think I wore it for Halloween one year when it, I went as the scariest thing I could think of. Um... Should have just put the first round. That's scary enough for Leafs fans. Ooh. Ooh, the trash talk is going. The trash <laughs> talk is going. I love, I love playoff time for hockey. Like we talk CFL here on the podcast. I'm not a big hockey guy during the season. I gotta say, like 82 game season, I, I can't follow it. I, each game seems so insignificant to me. Don't even get me started on baseball. Uh, and you're on oh. 327 game season or whatever you have there. 162. Uh, 162. <laughs> you get two months. You get two months off a day. That's what their schedule setup is. <laughs> uh, Chris in the YouTube chat says I get a three game suspension for that comment. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Uh, so does Michael. Wait, you know what? The, uh, the Leafs. The Leafs. The Leafs. I. The Leafs did better than the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays got murdered in Houston twice. So we'll take that. You know, that's. I think Leafs fans. On a side note, too, you know, Boston lost tonight 6-3. I know. I mean, you've seen that one coming. Yeah. Not my part. Like I I said last week, as as a fan of a team that won 62 games in a season was swept by Columbus in the first round, like, (laughs) I I expect anything at this point. So, uh, the chaos. I I love playoff time for hockey and I love football and everything as well. And, hey, we're getting real close to CFL season. You know, draft is coming up in two weeks and then CFL season uh, is just around the corner, less than two months away at this point. Uh, As mentioned earlier on in the show, we're back in the swing of things with weekly episodes here. So make sure you tune in each and every week. Uh, thank you to everybody who hangs out with us uh, watch live or after the fact. We always appreciate that. Uh, make sure you check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network as well, at CF Pod Network on Twitter. Uh, and stay tuned, perhaps, you know, uh, in the coming weeks, coming months, uh, some good and fun announcements for additional stuff to come here from the podcast as well. Whatever podcast platform you're listening on, we appreciate it. If you do all the fun things, such as like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show we always appreciate that. On behalf of our panel here this evening, Trey, Adam, I'm Ryan saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.